Come on. Welcome to Money Savage, Savage Approach Personal Finance. This is George Grumbacher, and the time is right. Welcome to today's guest, strong and powerful Anjali Jarawala. Anjali, are you ready to do this? Yes, I'm excited to be here. Excellent. Let's do this. Anjali uh, is a CPA, a CFP, and the founder of Fit Advisors, a financial firm providing comprehensive financial planning, investment management, and tax planning to vis- physicians and small business owners. I'm excited to have you on Anjali, tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. Sure. So my background is in tax, hence the CPA. So I actually started my career at PricewaterhouseCoopers, big, one of the big four. Right. Um, and after I was there for about six years, I uh, wanted to do something different. Um, and I didn't really know what that was. So I was I went through what I would call my, my midlife crisis at age 28. <laughs> and um, knew that I kind of wanted to still keep up the tax background because uh, I am a tax nerd at heart. I went through a lot of education and training. To, to get the knowledge that I had. So I didn't want to completely give that up, but I didn't know what else was out there. So um, the funny part was, is my husband introduced me to personal financial planning and my husband is actually a physician and he at the time was getting his MBA and he took a personal financial planning class and he came home that night and he told me, Anjali, this is what you should do for a living. And and I was actually a little taken aback because I always thought uh, financial planning was for ultra wealthy individuals and I always thought it was focused around investments. So I didn't really realize that there was this whole avenue of financial planning that was really helping people make better financial decisions. So the more I started learning about it, the more interested I became. And that's when I decided to, you know, quit my PwC job. I started studying for the CFP. I started interning for a financial planning firm. Eventually, I, I got a job at a, at a financial planning firm in Chicago. And it was uh, kind of the clientele that I always thought that financial planning was focused around. So it was ultra high net worth individuals, more investment focused than anything else. And after doing that for about a year, I realized that um, I wanted to help people um, in my age group. So people similar to my husband and I, you know, young professionals with young children who um, life has just gotten more complicated and they need someone to help them make better financial decisions. And that's when I launched Fit Advisors um, about three and a half years ago. Excellent. And all too often, it's a matter of, you know, um, these are problems that we're personally experiencing. We're not finding a lot of solutions to them. So I I think that there's got to be a better way. So what are some of those obstacles you find that young professionals that you serve often run into? So I think I think there's a lot of components to it. I think the first is just a lack of time, right? So um, you get to a certain point where um, time is just very, very limited. So after working a long day, coming home, tending to the kids, putting them down, there's not very much time left to really focus on your own personal finances. And unfortunately, we don't really spend the time on our finances like we may do in our other lives. Like, you know, we may get a trainer when we work out and we may do all these other things to take care of ourselves, but we don't really spend the time to take care of our personal finances. And so I think people get to a point where there's usually some big life decision that needs to be made and they have no idea where to start. So that might be purchasing a home, that might be expanding family, that might be starting a business. And people come to a point where they realize that they don't have enough knowledge of their own finances to really have the information to make those big decisions that could be life altering for them. Yeah, I think that's that's so true. We do uh we do spend money on professionals like trainers and people like that, but don't necessarily 
think to, uh, to, to, to spend time or resources with um, somebody who can help you guide, guide your finances as well. Um, you know, I'm curious, working with, and obviously you said that your husband's a physician, so you probably know him pretty well, and then working with other high-performing type people, do you find that there are, are certain habits that really successful top performers have that other people can learn from? Yeah, I think um, top performers, I would say they do spend a lot of time researching like important components of their lives, right? Like I I have a lot of, um, you know, practice owners, I have a lot of really intelligent physicians, business owners, a wide range of highly functional people that I work with. And a lot of them do want that education, that background and their knowledge. And most of the time, a lot of the people coming to me, they already have a basic understanding of everything because they've spent the time doing their own research, um, which I think is really important. So when they come talk to me, they know exactly what what lack they have in their own knowledge and their own expertise and where they want my help with. So I think it's just a matter of being diligent. It's a matter of um, spending the time because um, you, you the, the best way for your, you to get help is to to really have a basic understanding of where you're coming from financially so that when you're searching for the right person to help you fill that gap, you know exactly what qualities and characteristics you're looking for versus trying to do kind of a blind search because um, the, the financial planning industry is very varied in terms of the type of advisor. Um, it's not as regulated as certain other industries are, so you never qu- kind of know who you're going to get. So having some basic understanding of your situation I think is key to help yourself find the right person who's going to be a fit for you and your family. Yeah, I think that that makes a lot of sense. Um, and in a perfect world, there would be uh, just perfect situations. And I think that that if you're able to get to that point where I've done enough research to educate myself, and now I think I'm ready to engage with a professional and I'm ready to take their advice and ready to take their guidance, and that would be the perfect thing. But I also find, I think that maybe all too often, people do a little too much research, and it's just enough to make them dangerous, and then they're not going to take somebody else's opinion. And I think that that's the point where they're probably not a good fit to be working with a professional advisor. Do you, do you ever encounter something like that? I do. And I think, so there's there's the type of person who kind of wants that full comprehensive advisor, someone like me, who's really going to help them walk through like every aspect of their financial life. And then I do meet a handful of people that I, I talk to who are what I call like the do-it-yourself types, which which I think those people are great. You know, they've, they've done their research. They're, they're kind of 90% of the way there, but they really just want that second opinion. And so I might not be the right fit, but there are advisors out there who'll just kind of do a one-time check up. Like, let's go through all of your stuff. Let's see if you're on the right track. Let's see if there's any changes or suggestions I have. And they give it back to that person. And then that person carries it out. I think you, you just have to know your personality type. Um, a lot of the clients I work with, um, I'm also there to hold them accountable. So I can, I can give them all the recommendations, but if I'm not there to kind of check up on them and make sure that they're doing it, it won't get done. Right. So, so I think, um, I think there's, and then there's, there's the other extreme that you mentioned, like someone who just doesn't want to take anyone else's advice and, and so be it that there are people like that and that's totally okay. Um, just hopefully they're not doing anything too aggressive or, sure. or too outside the box where they may be hurting themselves long term and, and that they might not want to ever work with an advisor and that's okay as long as they're educating themselves and making um, decent decisions for their situation. And that's a lot of the time, at least from from my experience, one of the one of the negative stereotypes about physicians in particular is that they are not necessarily very good investors, um, and that they are extremely intelligent, 
but that does not serve them well necessarily in the world of investing in things that they don't necessarily understand. So I think that accountability is such an important thing and you can do such a great job for your client if you're able to, if they allow you to hold them accountable. Um, With the financial planning process, um, obviously there's the engagement and then you need to be able to have a good, open, and honest conversation with people where you're asking them a ton of questions, gathering information, but then there's also the actual implementation of the follow-through. Do you find that people have um, difficulty in any one part of the process um, over over the next? Is it opening up or is it the follow-through? Um, I think it depends on like that person's particular situation it's usually that the having the hard time following through is usually the item that they they like the least (laughs) so the one that that comes up consistently is trying to get someone's estate planning documents put together that's the one that most of my clients tend to lag on and and it you know when we start working with them it takes you know it could take up to a year a few years for them to get through the process and I think it's a component of people think that oh like that's so far away I have enough time um which anyone who's thinking that don't think that because anything could happen. And then the next component of that is like, it's it's a little bit of a kind of a depressing process because you're kind of sitting there thinking through like, what will happen if me and my spouse or me pass away? What Who's going to take care of the estate? Who's going to be guardian of my children? So I think um, people have a hard time just like making time to sit down and think about that. So that's the one that like comes up consistently. For most of my clients, um, where there's just a little bit of a pushback, and it takes a, a few more calls and, and emails from me to, to have them start that process. Isn't that interesting? It is probably a combination of, of exactly what you said. Of It's so long in the future, it's probably not going to happen to me, so therefore I'm going to drag my feet and put it off and put it off and put it off. Um, have you found that there is a way to motivate people to stay on track and to get it done in a timely manner or does it really just vary from person to person? It does vary from person to person. I mean, my my process is very hands-on um, and it's, it's a small practice because I try to spend a lot of time with each one of my individual clients. So it just depends. I have some where they can knock it out really quickly. Usually when I sit down with them and we have the initial conversation, I'm really walking through all the things they need to think about. So when they sit down with their attorney, they already have a framework of what to work off of. And then if they're stuck in terms of making a decision, usually I'm uh, we'll have a meeting scheduled and I'll ask them like, what's holding you guys up? Like, what's the one decision that you can't come to terms with? Well, let's talk through it. And let's see maybe from our conversations, if something comes out in terms of who you're going to list or, or what, what's holding you up. So I I do a lot of that. So I think it's, I think it's a process of, you know, having the client be aware and then bringing it up and then asking questions like what's the hesitation on doing this? What's holding you guys back? And I think a lot of times just having like that open and honest conversation with the person um, gives them more clarity. And then it, it, it kind of pushes them to to complete the steps they need to to get to that finish line. Nice. Yeah. Sometimes it is just that simple of, of asking the right questions and right. listening to the answers, right? <laughs> right. Exactly. I mean, there's a lot of number crunching that goes on, but I would say like number crunching is a really important component of what I do. But the other side of it is really just having those conversations, right? It's it's really talking to the people, um, you know, making them feel like it's a safe space for them, um, make, having them comfortable with me. So when I, when I talk to prospects, the first thing I tell them is like, you know, at the end of the day, whether I'm the right person for you 
or not. You really have to just find the person who you trust because you're going to be having a lot of personal conversations with them. You're going to be opening up a lot to them, you know, things you may not tell anyone else. So you have to make sure the person on the other side is someone you can fully trust so that you can be open and honest. And that I think that makes the planning process a lot easier. I think people are then more accountable because they understand the relationship that they have with their advisor and they kind of don't want to let them down. Right. So so they are going to do the work and do the actions. And they know at the end of the day, it's it's mutually beneficial because I'm here to help them. And they know, like, the quicker they get through these steps, uh, the better off they're going to be. Yeah, no, I appreciate that very much. And how was the transition uh, or perhaps there wasn't one, but certainly well, I, I, I should just ask the question. When you were with, um, you said PwC, I believe, mm-hmm. um, was there a lot of talk about emotions? No, not really. So PwC <laughs> was, you know, I, I worked with Fortune 500 clients, so it was it was very much focused on the work. I mean, obviously, some of my clients I like because I, I got to know them personally, like we had good camaraderie back and forth, but it wasn't like that. Um, and then in my the second for, like the actual financial planning firm I went to in Chicago, um, there was some talk about it, but not really not to the extent that I do now. Um, and I think it's just a matter of like, what kind of, you know, what kind of advisor you want to be and, and how the process evolved. I didn't start with having kind of these emotional kinds of conversations or deep conversations. But as I started to work with more clients and um, emotional stuff would come up, um, that's when I started to address it. Like I have a lot of emotional anxiety when it comes to money growing up. You know, I, I'm a I'm a child of immigrants. So they came to this country with nothing, um, you know, built everything from scratch, sent us to school, you know, paid for all of that, which, you know, I'm so appreciative of but there is always there was always this kind of underlying stress around money and whether there would be enough and so I think I carried that through adulthood and I and I now realize looking back that because I had a lot of that stress and anxiety around money um, it it prevented me from making better financial decisions which is what because I'm so emotionally tied to my own money um, and if anyone listening like my husband and I have a financial advisor and it's because of that it's I can provide really great advice to other people because I'm not because it's not my money. Right. So I can come to it from like an independent third party perspective and, and provide that great advice. I can't do that for myself because I'm emotionally tied to my money. So I need an outside person to come in and tell us like what's OK and what's not OK. Right. So I think, you know, for me being an advisor, having someone to help us through that process, I think is so important that that's why I ha- I kind of approach the relationship the same way with my clients. Like if there is some sort of emotional trigger or something going on when it comes to money, we need to kind of uncover that and address it because otherwise it's going to be really hard to to make the process better. And especially for couples when there's very different views on money in terms of how they grew up around money, their views on spending money, if there's polar differences, which there almost always is because we we tend to be with someone who's different from us. Um, the the first step is actually just trying to kind of come to terms with each, each of the person's respective views on money. And then if they're going to get married or they're recently married, or even if they've been married for 10 plus years like how do we how do we make that combination or that kind of joint finance relationship successful for the both of them and it's not a one-size-fits-all you know it's very dependent on the person and each of their personalities and their backgrounds well I think that that's that's spot on and I really commend you for understanding that about yourself um when when did it sort of when did the light bulb come on and, and you said, you know what, geez, I, I, I act this way with money because of the way that I was raised with money or have, have, have you always known that? 
I've kind of always known that I had more of an epiphany, like after um, I met my husband, who was, you know, uh, which we've been together for almost 10 years now. And it's it's it was a realization because he kind of came he has a similar background, you know, immigrant parents grew up very middle class like me. But he is completely different on his views on money. He doesn't stress out about money. He doesn't really worry about it. He kind of has the belief that it'll it'll be fine long term and it'll be OK. And we're doing what we should be doing. And so I started thinking about that. I was like, why? How how is it that we have similar backgrounds, similar culture, and we can come to this relationship with totally different views on money? And so um, being married to him was helpful because I was able to let go a little bit. And then he actually got a little bit more strict on his spending, seeing kind of like what I'm bringing to the table and not me seeing what he's bringing to the table. And we decided to use an advisor, you know, about two years ago because I, we made a big transition. We moved from Chicago to California. We bought a home that was a little bit of a stretch in terms of our budget. And I was stressing out a lot about money. Um, I also had just started my firm. So, you know, cash flow was, was a little tight and I, I, I came to it like running all my numbers, but I needed someone else to look them over. And my husband is not, wasn't going to be the one to look at the numbers. And even if he did, I wouldn't believe him because it's just how marriages are and relationships are. So I was, and you know, I, I would start running these projections and my husband, would say like do you run projections like this for your clients and I was like no like I just run ultra conservative uh, uh, projections for us and he's like well why would you do that that makes no sense and I was like you're right uh so that we we both I was like I think we need to use someone he's like I completely agree so we our advisor purely helps us with our cash flow because that's the one piece of our financial picture that causes me a lot of stress you know the investments everything else you know I I can take care of that but it's the cash flow so when he talks to us it's funny like he runs all of our numbers but we spend most of the time just having these kind of emotional conversations back and forth you know me expressing my concerns my husband expressing his concerns and then him just providing us his like third party unbiased feedback which is great we come out of those conversations feeling much better and then when i get stressed out again we we book another meeting (laughs) so that's how it works i think that that's awesome and that's evidence right there of, of the value of an advisor for anybody listening um for that right there it's so tough for it's so tough for a company and the people inside the company to have these kinds of conversations. And I think it's even tougher for a husband and a wife or for, for partner, whatever, to have these kinds of conversations. So I think that that's awesome. <clears throat> well, Anjali, Savage Nation is ready for your difference-making tip. What do you have for them? So my difference-making tip is to be educated. Um, so what I mean by that is uh, have a good understanding of your personal finances. You make sure you you know kind of how much income is coming in, how much are you spending, how much are you actually saving, you know, what your investment portfolio looks like if you're sitting all in cash, that's fine. But I think you need to first sit down and have a really good understanding of where you currently are. And then from there, you can address what the gaps are in your situation or if there's big financial decisions you need to make. That's always the great starting point. And no matter what, even if you're a non-financial person, you should have a basic understanding of your current financial situation. If you're in a relationship, you tend to let the other person handle all the finances. Um, I encourage you to also um, get educated on that because you never know if something were to happen to that person, the burden will fall back on you and kind of dealing with a big loss like that. Um, it's really hard to then try to get up to speed. So that's my that's my tip. Well, I think that, that is great stuff that definitely gets a come on, come on. And Anjali, thank you so much for coming on. Where can Savage Nation learn more about you? I know that you also have a podcast what is the name of it? Where can they find that? 
Sure. So um, my podcast is called Money Checkup. You could find it on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. It's on all the mediums. Um, I do a lot of deep dive into a lot of the financial planning topics that I see in my practice from kind of very technical tax matters all the way to kind of emotional money conversations. Um, so that's Money Checkup. And then you could also learn more about me from my website. It's www.fitadvisors.com. Excellent. Well, Savage Nation, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Anjali your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas. Go to her website, listen to the podcast, and I will list those in the notes of the show so you can easily find them. Thank you again, Anjali. Thank you for having me. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight because we are all in this together. What's up, Savage Nation? Please support the show by subscribing, leave us a review, and definitely feel free to share us with somebody you think would like it. Come on.